This is the Cine Snob Podcast. Hello there, and welcome to episode 221 of the Cine Snob Podcast. I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, um, pardon you. That was thank you. You got a little uh, little frog in your throat there. I did. Yeah, I um, was trying to do it off mic, but uh, yeah, well, didn't work. uh so uh one of the big things that happened this week uh we'll just get right to it um a big fan both you and i were of uh comedian norm mcdonald who died last week i believe last wednesday uh death was was tuesday tuesday and um after a secret battle with uh cancer i guess not pub i shouldn't say secret i should say not publicized battle with cancer Mm-hmm. Um, one of those deaths to me that's uh, that's pretty hard hitting. Um, I've been a big Norm Macdonald fan ever since I first saw him on Saturday Night Live. Gosh, like probably twenty eight years ago now. Yeah, um, it was a huge part of Conan O'Brien's shows over the years. Um, I think that's probably probably the most shared clip I saw of Norm Macdonald after um, his death was announced was. The uh, clip where he's on the panel with Courtney Thorne Smith. Yes. Uh, on the old Late Night with Conan O'Brien. And she's there on behalf of the Carrot Top movie, Chairman of the Board. Yes. Which, have you actually seen that movie? I have not seen it. I know that I've seen parts of it. I can't remember if I saw the whole thing. Um, he just gives her enormous amounts of shit about starring in a movie with Carrot Top, calling him box office poison. And yeah. uh, saying board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. It's just yes. a great, great clip. But um, yeah, you you broke this news to me, Cody, which uh, I'll never forgive you for. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been known amongst my friends to be like uh, celebrity death TMZ because <laughs> I- You are very online. I sh- I'll say that. Yeah. I've gotten less so in my career change, but you are very, well, very online. Yeah. with my new With my new job, I have been a little less. It just happened to be when I was- in between um, things at work, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's something where I was uh, I was always a fan of um, of norms, but but uh, you know, every so often, maybe like once a year, I would go down these Norm McDonald YouTube rabbit holes, mm-hmm. and it's just this endless treasure treasure trove of such great stuff. Like, you know, one time I, I got I got bored and I watched like thirty minutes of OJ jokes from Weekend Update, and like, <laughs> yeah. You know, just his weekend update stuff was so funny, and you know he had his like podcast video that he video podcast that he did, and you know you can find very separate like like cut out jokes if you look <laughs> of some really, um, with some really graphic jokes that are very funny, and yeah, I mean in in <laughs> I mean a lot has been said about him that doesn't need to be said by us, but just you know just the fact that his his delivery was just, I think one of the best joke tellers I've ever heard before, just in terms of just like, you know, um, you know, constructing both jokes that are like extremely funny. And also, you know, what he became for became known for in his kind of later appearances, which is just like, you know, just droning on with like monotonous, boring stories before hitting you with a <laughs> stupid punchline that just <laughs> yes. became kind of his trademark, especially with Conan and like, you know, the Geraldo roast or not the Geraldo, the Saget roast. Saget roast, um, yeah. uh, where, um, where it was just kind of like anti comedy kind of thing. And, and so, you know, he could do that. He could be really funny. And, and, you know, I, one of the best things I saw about him was like how he would oftentimes hold an audience hostage waiting for, like to either move on from a new joke to to a new joke or 
hitting a punchline, you know, um, you know, it, it's, you know, you could see it in his weekend update stuff. So yeah, it just sucks. It just really sucks. He was, he was just such a funny comedian and, um, yeah. What about, uh, his movies? I, I know he wasn't in a lot. Um, you know, he had stuff like he was in Billy Madison briefly. Um, I can't remember his line. He has a, a line that everyone likes to quote, but I can't remember uh, what it is. I remember my favorite line of his, which is, uh, Adam Sandler asks him what today is, and he goes, October. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. Uh, I do. You, did you ever see Man in the Moon? Oh, or Man, man on the I, Moon? I'm sorry. I have uh, a long time ago. He has a very very brief part playing Michael Richards. Um, oh, wow! In because uh, the like Andy Kaufman was part of um, like it was a. Um, I want to say it was a CBS competitor to Saturday Night Live called Fridays. Mm -hmm. And that's where one of the places Michael Richards started. And he plays like in a just tiny, tiny scene plays Michael Richards. And then he did a, a lot of voice work like in the Dr. Doolittle movies. Um, I, I, I did. I've seen dirty work. Um, I know a lot of people really love that movie. It's one of those movies I can watch for about 45 minutes and then I give up on it. I've never seen uh, it. it. It's it's funny, um, but it's or it, do you, it, in a related sense. Have you ever seen Pootie Tang? No. Um, that's another movie that's funny for about forty five minutes. You're like, all right, I I gotta go. It's <laughs> it does because it just keeps going the same direction. Um, but yeah, Dirty Work has it's him and Artie Lang, and I think uh, Don Rickles is in Dirty Work. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, Chevy Chase has a small part. Yeah, anyway, it's 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 interesting. It's got a lot of his. He co-wrote that, so it's got a lot of his um, his weird jokes in there, like uh, old Jack and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, a huge loss for me personally um, as a comedy fan, just because I, you know, those those Conan bits have become kind of legendary, and that Bob Saget stuff is is a real perfect example of of just like a big fuck you to what those roasts are supposed to be. Yeah. Cause uh, I believe I read or, or, or heard him talk about it, that it, it came from a, those jokes came from a joke book that his dad had given him. Like yeah. as a, as a, like when he started comedy, like thinking it would help him. It was like old dinner party jokes. Well, there was a funny, so the Conan O'Brien did uh, a podcast uh, mm-hmm. with Andy Richter um, and, uh, and Frank Smiley on, uh, just kind of remembering Norm and, and, uh, and they tell the story of the moth joke, uh, uh-huh. from, from Conan. And he said that it was like a 30 second joke that Colin Quinn told him <laughs> yeah. that, he, that he extended into like seven minutes <laughs> because Frank Smiley threw him out there for a second segment. Yeah. And he was basically a fuck you to Frank Smiley. The, my favorite story from that podcast, which I just finished listening to on the way home, uh, to record this, uh, was his like weird idea for a sketch about sully sullenberger that they <laughs> yeah. that some that it was like right after the the miracle on the hudson had happened and he he had he he uh, had a sketch that where he had been cast as sully sullenberger in a movie but that it started shooting like six months ago before the miracle on the hudson mm-hmm. and he was elated because now he finally had an ending <laughs> for the movie <laughs> uh uh anyway, yeah. Um speaking of um of Conan and Norm Macdonald, uh both had uh, uh their moments last night at the uh, Emmys. 
uh, Norm Macdonald being honored by Lorne Michaels um, in SNL's win, and then uh, Conan O'Brien doing something, being dr- uh, drunkenly stealing the show. I don't know what <laughs> happened. That's a great clip. Um, I didn't watch the Emmys, though, but you did. Um, I know you were wa- pulling for your boy, Bo. Yeah, it didn't uh, happen. Sorry. Which, b- by the way, I don't, I don't understand how... Uh, so he lost to Hamilton for taped variety special, but also Hamilton was nominated for best TV movie. So how does it get to double dip there? I don't understand that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, the, look, the, there's always a sense that the Emmys, you know, the, the the full on like primetime Emmys, have a, a sense that they want to award something that's very popular, mm-hmm. not necessarily what's most deserving or the best. Sometimes they get it right. You know, I think one of my favorite wins was uh, like Kyle Chandler won for like the final season of Friday Night Lights. Yeah. I don't follow the Emmys, the primetime Emmys too closely. Um, but there was a time in the, I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, where like the Oscars would win an Emmy for best like lo- variety show. Yeah. Like it's it well, just ri- ridiculous this year. For that. Yeah, it's just ridiculous stuff like that. Um, you know that you'd be like, what? Um, but it, the, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead. Wasn't there some crazy um, like? Didn't Don Cheadle get a best supporting actor or best guest actor nomination for like his a minute and a half in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's stuff like that that. It's a little bit ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and they are, you know, it's weird because the Emmys ha- are, have this weird trend now that didn't used to be a thing, but now certain shows are just sweeping entire categories. And that kind of happened to some extent last night. I mean, look, no matter how you slice it, it was a huge night for streaming for sure, mm-hmm. where, you know, all of the comedy side of things, you know, Ted Lasso won for um, lead actor, supporting actress, supporting actor, and comedy series. And then the other three comedy Emmys went to Hacks um, for directing, writing, and uh, lead actress, which are both streaming. H- Hacks is an HBO Max original. It's not an HBO show. Oh, it's um, not? I thought it was. That's no, it's so, it's, it's, it's yeah. so weird. It's yeah, so that, weird. That one's a Max original. And then, you know, on the drama side of thing, I think The Crown won close to everything. So mm-hmm. that's a Netflix best drama series winner. So, you know, uh, outside of, um, well, and also TV series and movie was Queen's Gambit. So I think they ran the table in best series um, in terms of streaming winning. So, you know, that's always an interesting thing. You know, the thing that's that's super interesting about it is that we have, there's like so many great options for TV right now. We are so overloaded. And then like, you know, two comedy series win awards. The Crown wins most everything. And then the uh, the original TV and movie was like 90% Mayor of, East, uh, Mayor of Easttown and, um, and Queen's Gambit. So, you know, it, it's, it is a weird thing to see. I, I wasn't unhappy with it. I, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan and I really love Hacks as well. So um, that was fine. Yeah, the limited series stuff... Um that's a relic from like uh, the mini series days, which they don't do a mini series anymore. Like, uh, I mean, I, I guess you could say they're the same thing, but it's not really. You well, know. everything these days has an option to continue somehow, yeah. you know, and so the, the you know some will submit for a mini series and then be back, you know, because like 
you know, I think uh, like American Horror Story used to dominate that category, but you know, because it was an anthology, and I think they took anthology out of the uh, the the thing because I think it's like TV, it, it's TV series, movie, or excuse me, miniseries uh, made for TV movie or something else. It used to be anthology series as well, but I'm not sure that they do that anymore because American Horror Story was just winning every year. Um, but yeah. like, but there's weird shit. Like, Ewan McGregor won for something I've never even heard of before, uh, <laughs> for like uh, actor on a on a TV series or movie, or I'm sorry, miniseries or movie for some like Ryan Murphy Netflix series I'd never heard of. Um, Halston, I have, Halston. yeah, I've never heard of that either. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it also seems to be very. Um, like very heavily dominated by, again, like nominee wise, like the very very popular shows. Yeah, um, you don't really get the dark horse like you do with the Oscars. I will say to some degree, yes, Hacks is a legitimately like interesting win because that show is not big, and, and I mean, there's a lot of buzz around it though. Right, but yeah. I mean, very rarely are you going to have a movie that, well, even the, with the Oscars, that wins with no buzz around it. I mean, it's... True, true, true. But I mean, like, uh, um, you know, there's not going to be an actor that comes out of nowhere uh, that's that's unknown to win a Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor trophy, whatever. You know, you're going to more likely get a Ewan McGregor that wins, um, yeah. you know, that wins something kind of out of the blue like that. Um what was uh what was the show like? I heard there was a lot of uh like it was supposed to be outdoors, but it clearly wasn't outdoors. Like yeah. Seth Rogen has a a big <laughs> yeah, it, about that. Not a great show, but it was uh not not super well done. Some like there was a there was like a five minute Mike Pence fly sketch. Like Ooh, this fucking timely. like timely. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like an eighteen month old joke. Like it's it, not that it, old, but yes, yeah. It might as well have been in a Jurassic era joke. I I mean, it's closing in on being like one calendar year old. Oh yeah, at this point, no, for real. Um, and so, uh, and 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 then there was just a a bunch of like really falling flat sketches. Um, yeah, it just didn't really work all that well. The the intro was not super great. Um, you know, I think. it just felt like a flat show, I think, altogether. And then it's just, you know, three and a half hours long. It's just so long. <laughs> um, and uh, and then, like, there were some people who gave really long speeches, and, like, everyone was getting mad at Scott Frank for uh, – he, he called off the music, and he's like, please, stop the music. And he gave, like, a, a three-and-a-half-minute self-serving speech when everyone knows that they have 45 seconds. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, so I'm looking at the winners here. Uh, it's a, uh, or, so like best variety series, outstanding variety talk series went to, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought might've gone to Conan since he went out, you know, that was his last year. But, uh, I think that's probably a lot in it for last week tonight. I don't know what, what it's Emmy count is. I mean, they've got to be at like five in a row by now, I think. Probably pretty close. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a little surprised. You and McGregor um, pulled out that win. Uh, he was up against Paul Bettany, Hugh Grant, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda, and Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, for Hamilton. I, it seems that that's the one, 
the one show I've actually never heard of, Halston. Yeah, no clue, um, no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, Kate Winslet winning for best outstanding uh, lead actress. Um, it's a little, probably a, a little bit of a surprise. Evan that, Peters uh, won. What is he in? Mayor of Easttown. Oh, I had no idea. It's funny. A lot of people are making jokes that the one time he doesn't work with Ryan Murphy, he wins an Emmy. <laughs> I see Gillian Anderson won for The Crown. Um, yeah, The Crown, the Crown cleaned Crown. house on the drama side of things, including um, everyone was really thinking and hoping that Michael K. Williams would win his part in, uh, in some, a, some huge something or other one for The Crown. Yeah, um, <laughs> so uh, Outstanding Live Variety Special was uh, Stephen Colbert's Election Night 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, up against uh, Celebrating America, an Inauguration Night Special, mm-hmm. 63rd Annual G- Grammy Awards, the Oscars, and the Pepsi, S- the Pepsi Super Bowl <laughs> <laughs> 55 halftime show starring The weekend. Man, that's weird. That's a weird set of nominees. I mean, I, I clearly the Colbert stuff is, is the high watermark there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know which part of celebrating America, like whose broadcast was celebrating America, an inauguration was, night special. It was all across different networks, I think. But you know, here's here's the other interesting thing too is that in the sketch comedy uh, category, there were two nominees. That's it. Two. I haven't uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. I don't see who uh, who was. It. So I, I assume SNL. Yes, and SNL will never ever lose that award. Um, but the other nominee uh, was a black lady sketch show. Um, oh yes, I did hear that. Yeah, and but then like again, like what, like what are we doing here? Like you're not gonna, like I think you should leave. Shouldn't be nominated there or? Well, I, I'm curious what the cutoff is because a lot of this stuff seems very, very recent. Yeah. Usually the you, you know well, I don't know what the cutoff is for the primetime Emmys. Well, um, I mean, Bo Burnham's inside had to have been like right on the cusp of the cutoff because that yeah, was out when, when did i think you should leave season two hit not oh, long after that right think, yeah i think so i don't know it, it's it's weird because you'll it man the grammys are, are even worse than that because july the, the Gram- 6 is when i think you should leave came back so maybe next year maybe um yeah it's strange it, it's a strange awards ceremony because it doesn't really you're not i i you know, if you haven't seen these things, then you're screwed because it's not like it's, uh, um, you, you know, you're not going to get like a surprise win. I don't think you know. And there's there's very little variety. It seems like, um, mm-hmm. yeah. See, like, like outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series. Uh, you know, of course, Hannah Waddingham wins for Ted Lasso, but she's also up against Aidy Bryant and Kate McKinnon for and Cecily SNL. Strong for SNL, yeah. which doesn't really make sense. There's weird shit like that, like like for supporting actor comedy, four cast members from Ted Lasso were nominated in that category. Mm-hmm. And then two, you got Keenan Thompson and Bowen Yang. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, it's such a strange, such a strange mix of of well, formats and, there. And it's weird too because you'll have stuff like Ted Lasso, and it's nothing to take away from Ted Lasso, a show that I love, but you know mm-hmm. it has a great season and. Um, and and like and like Jason Sudeikis amazing in that role, but like to think that Steve Carell never won an Emmy for playing Michael Scott is like bananas. <laughs> like, you know, I was thinking of this when I was weirdly when I was walking to my car today. 
I was thinking about the Emmys, and I was thinking about how there was stuff like that back then that like dominated the zeitgeist, uh, and do- not so much the zeitgeist, but like dominated the Emmys, like Thirty Rock, for example, mm-hmm. disappeared from the zeitgeist now. Yeah, like it's all about the Office. Yeah. I mean, um, shit, a Modern Family, no one really remembers that, and it dominated the Emmys. Yeah. Um, it's weird how that stuff shakes out. Um, and, and, and that's nothing at all against 30 Rock. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an excellent show and, and probably stayed better longer than The Office did. But it it constantly beat out The Office. I think The Office won Best Comedy Series once. Yeah, one time. Same um, with Arrested Development, it, that one once as yeah. well. Um, but you know, there was times that was back when like Modern Family was cleaning up. Yeah. And Modern Family's a fine show. I have nothing against Modern Family either. Um, but it's clearly not like the cutting edge of comedy like some of these other things were. No, and, and Modern Family was ruling when you know, back when like Parks and Rec was the was like the crown jewel, the crown yeah. critical jewel of tele of comedy television and and that didn't win shit. Like, like <laughs> Polar never won. You know, the show never won. No, uh, nobody won from that show. Yeah, and then uh, you know, lesser stuff like Community um, had a couple of really great seasons before sputtering out. Yeah, um, and you know, like I mentioned earlier, like uh, Kyle Chandler sneaking in like the one year that Breaking Bad didn't have, uh, like technically didn't air in the eligibility period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it wouldn't automatically go to Brian Cranston, which I, I have no problem with. No, um, I think that probably the biggest, uh, like with the snubs like that. You know, the one I can remember most recently was Michael McKeon getting shut out for uh, Better Call Saul. Well, he didn't even get nominated for that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it just. Well, and that's, and I think Rhea Seahorn like rarely gets nominated too for that show. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's such a strange award ceremony because it it's very very insular it it sticks very very close to the vest on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, last year I think was the feel good year when everybody wanted to give everything to Shit's Creek, a show yeah. I've still never actually never watched. But I I watched it between then and now. I and and I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a perfectly fine show, but worth like winning every single comedy Emmy, like, come on. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, anything else to add before we move on? No, I'm just happy for Ted Lasso and for Hacks. I think it's pretty cool that those shows won, and, uh, and um, I, you know, Ted Lasso is just this juggernaut now, and it's just crazy that, that it was adapted from a commercial for NBC Sports. Yeah. And, uh, and I sent you, like, some statistics about the pay raises that everyone got, and, you know, Sudeikis getting paid a million bucks an episode, and yeah, just crazy. One day I'll watch it. One day. It's really good. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up this week, we have Cry Macho. Back when we had winners, I'm just afraid to lose you to the competition. Five times you won the All American. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was before the accident, before the booze. You know how many people told me to just cut you loose? You gonna say anything? Howard, I've always thought of you as a small, weak, and gutless man. But you know, there's no reason to be rude. 
owe me, Mike. You gave me your word. And that used to mean something. My son, Rafael, he's in trouble. I want to get him out of Mexico. You want me to go down there and kidnap him? Please, just get him back up here. Just you? Just me. Hey, Rafael, you can come out now. I'm a friend of the family. Touch me and I'll kick your asshole, man. Jesus Christ. This is, of course, uh, the latest uh, directorial, directorial and uh, starring effort from 91-year-old Clint Eastwood. Yes. Uh, this is... I see people calling this a Western. It's not a Western. No. Um, you get the, kind of the gist of the plot. Um, it's uh, He's sent to... P- his, uh, his boss, Dwight Yoakam, uh, sends him to go pick up his son, who is uh, living... In, who's a Mexican, I guess a Mexican national, living uh, with his mother. Um, it debuted uh, in theaters and on HBO Max. Cody, tell us about Cry Macho and what you thought of it. Sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, <laughs> you know, this movie is, is very strange. Uh, just in the plot, you know, like Dwight Yoakam sends a 91-year-old man to go do his dirty work. <laughs> and, I, uh, to, to be fair... I don't think he's supposed to be playing 91. I mean, sure. He's clearly, he is clearly a very, very old man. A very, very old man. But I don't think he's supposed to be playing. Like this character, because they said in 1980, this character wasn't born in 1890 i don't think <laughs> like he's not from from the 1800s I, I i i sure i mean i guess sure that's fine but like you know it's hard to reconcile how old he looks and acts uh <laughs> yeah with like the idea that he's supposed to be like this tough guy in the movie I, right sure. which is just it's just jarring i mean I, it is a <laughs> weird decision to put him in this movie and i don't know why he continues to make this kind of movie when he's old as shit. <laughs> and and it's, you know, I mean, the poor guy, I mean, like, you know, stumbling over lines that are just left in the movie. The acting across the board is really bad with almost everyone <laughs> involved. And like, and like they're writing these scenes where like on multiple occasions, women half his age are like- or le- th- or less. Or less. <laughs> are just throwing themselves at him. And he's just like, and, you know, he's just, you know, he can't be bothered. <laughs> and and it's just, it's like, what <laughs> what is going on here? And I don't know if you noticed this, but like, okay. it, it seems like a lot of, they were playing to what Clint can do now. And there's yep. so many scenes of him either getting ready for or waking up from sleeping or taking a nap. Like, There's a very long scene uh, where he's sitting on a very comfortable couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, my grandfather just passed away. He was 91 years old. Yeah. As well. He looked about the same shape as Clint Eastwood did. Like, still mobile, slow, hunched over. Like, I, would, I wouldn't send him to go... <laughs> to the grocery store <laughs> because like that's too much for him like no i'm not gonna send my poor old grandfather to go yeah do something like anyway yeah but but he is but he but it is and you can't ignore it he's he's like scuttling everywhere he's hunched <laughs> over <laughs> like i said he's always about to take a nap or waking up from a nap like <laughs> like it's just 
it's it it is a bananas idea for a movie to make this old old man like this you know tough guy and also like there's weird plot lines like apparently he's like an ad hoc vet of some kind like <sighs> like like they make him like really care about animals but he doesn't really like he's not a vet or anything he's just like oh this pig needs this or like it's it let him sleep in your bed tonight <laughs> yeah i don't know how to cure old clearly yeah clearly <laughs> um but yeah so you know, it, it's it, and I don't. You know, look, it, it's an easy target. I I get that, but you know, it's uh, it's it's you know beyond just being this weird kind of thing. I just don't think it's a very good movie. I I think that it really plays up to this relationship he has with this kid, um, which which feels um, it never quite feels like the connection is there. Uh, the kid seems to like teeter on the fact like is he mature or is he like immature like i can't ever tell <laughs> like he could be he could be like 11 or he could be 17 i don't know and he's like oh you're a real cowboy like yeah like like they're like he's really impressed by that yeah and just and it just speaks to the screenplay i was telling you this while i was watching it the dialogue is so lazy in this movie that there's multiple times where they repeat the same thing like three times in a conversation like there's one scene where where they're about to drive down uh, a, a like a side street to avoid the cops, and 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 it's like Clint Eastwood going, "Oh, we're gonna drive down this street," and the kid's like, "Where are we going?" And he's like, "Oh, we're just the cops are there. We're gonna drive down this street," and then out of nowhere, it's just like we're gonna drive down this street for a while until like it's just yes, we get it, I get it. <laughs> like also, like he appears to have driven like maybe a day into Mexico, mm-hmm. and then he ends up being there for like weeks. It appears yes, like anyway. Yeah. So look, I, I mean, again, I don't really have a lot of um, a lot of positive stuff to say. Um, it's easy to beat up on, you know, like I said, Clint Eastwood being old and, and, and out of touch. But like, really, it starts with a really bad script who who I don't know if this was like written for someone else and he stepped into it or if this was written specifically for Clint Eastwood. But it is a mismatch. It doesn't work. Uh, and, um, you know, again, it doesn't help that the acting across the board is pretty terrible. Um, so I had fun laughing at it, but I did not enjoy the experience. So, okay. I'm going to read you some text messages. So on Saturday, I went down to San Antonio to help my dad with, uh, fixing something. Um, when we were, when I was leaving, I mentioned to him like, Hey, that, that new Clint Eastwood movie is out. Because my dad's a big Clint Eastwood fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, if this movie's for anyone, it's for him. Uh, so I, I set up their HBO Max account for him. And like he must have watched this, like literally started watching this as soon as I walked out the door. Because as I was driving home to Austin, I get this message from my dad, who's, again, a huge Clint Eastwood fan. He goes, hey, no offense, but that was the worst Clint Eastwood movie I've ever seen. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I said, I said, yeah, I didn't really like it either. He said, I kept waiting for it to go somewhere and it never did. Yeah. And that's really the issue here is that nothing really happens. Yeah. Like the whole point of the movie is that he's going to get this kid. That's the, the inciting incident is he's, he's told, uh, you know, he's basically coerced into going to, to essentially kidnap this kid from Mexico for Dwight Yoakam's character. When he gets there, he finds that the kid is a delinquent, but he's not really a delinquent as the screenplay plays out. Like he's right. just sort of a 
a you know a wisecracking kid like his mother who is trying to fuck Clint Eastwood at one point <laughs> <laughs> uh, gets uh, it tells him that like yeah good luck finding him he's you know he's cockfighting on the streets which would have been an interesting thing to like you know have him pull this kid out but the kid's just like oh you're a cowboy I'll go with you to Texas and uh, it just kind of spins its wheels from there. Um, there's this weird plot line where the mother has like goons for some reason. She's super wealthy. I don't know what the circumstances are, but she has goons that are threatening Clint Eastwood. One guy in particular who is like the most hapless goon in the world because <laughs> he, he runs up on them at a restaurant at one point, um, and threatens to, to, you know, threatens him with violence and then the kid tells all these onlookers that uh this guy had been molesting him and they all just like surround him and beat it beat the shit out of him Mm -hmm. and then that same guy shows up near the climax of the movie and and gets bested by a fucking rooster (laughs) i mean that guy and he like basically does the old cartoon like throw his hat down and stomp on it on the floor and then that's really it that's what this guy does and he it's it's so comically bad. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know who this movie's for because this isn't some like neo western from Clint Eastwood. This isn't even like uh, you know Gran Torino uh, level where you've got this this old crotch trying to reconcile with a changing world around him. This is just a like some half assed road trip story that doesn't really ever get fleshed out in anything more than what it is. And again. I don't think Clint Eastwood's supposed to be playing a 91-year-old man, but he's very, very clearly a 91-year-old man, and it really stretches the credibility of a lot of stuff in the movie. Yeah, well, and also, too, the other thing to remember is, like, um, the there's this whole, like, like family dynamic of the Dwight Yoakam stuff of, like, him going to live with his father, but yet his father is kind of, like, using him for some convoluted, like, land dealing kind of thing and like that just becomes nothing you know it just leads right. to nothing where the kid just is like yeah i guess i'll go with my dad and like that's the extent of it but yeah the, the mishandling of the kid i think feels feels weird because like yes he's you know you think he's going to be this really dangerous character and really he's like a wide-eyed like like he's interested in being a cowboy kind of thing like yeah like is what? he six years old what's going on you yeah know? well and like and like, and they and they talk about that. Like when he's first, when Dwight Yoakam is first talking to Clint Eastwood, he's like, "Tell him you're a cowboy. Every boy wants to meet a cowboy or something like that." And you're like, "What are you talking about? What is this?" Yeah, he could be a cowboy in Mexico. Like, there's no, I don't understand what the difference is. Like, uh, anyway, what is your grade for Cry Macho? We didn't even talk about what cry, what Macho is. It's the fighting no. rooster, and it's some like weird through line through the movie. Yeah. By the way, the rooster is like a Scooby Doo like character where it seems to have human characteristics and like no right from wrong. And mm-hmm. anyway, what's your grade? Yeah, yeah I'm giving Cry Macho a D plus. <laughs> yeah, I think a D plus is where I'm at too. It's just I don't know. Again, if my dad didn't even like it, I don't know who the fuck this movie's for. Like, yeah. I don't know who's who the the audience is for this movie because that's the like you have to have. I assume some innate fondness for Clint Eastwood and just the desire to see him in anything, but well, to see him so terribly aged 
Well, here's the thing is that he was too old probably for Gran Torino to play a tough guy. And that was like 15 years ago, like at this point. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, he, he already had his like swan song Western thing with Unforgiven, which was one of those things that's, you know, a major cultural touchstone. And then, you know, he kept going with it. These, you know, goofball stuff like Space Cowboys and uh what's the other one the one where he's like playing baseball with amy adams i can't oh, remember the what trouble that one with was. the curve yeah <sighs> anyway it's on hbo max now if you want to watch it but anyway let's move on to our last movie cop shop what are you gonna arrest me what are you people please arrest me you're under arrest so why were you looking to get locked up theodore everyone's trying to kill me He nearly killed us. What'd you do? I did what I had to do. To get to you, Teddy. The legendary Bob Vidic. You're a psychopath. I'm a professional. You pissed off the wrong people. And I'm gonna kill you. Drop that gun. No one kills anyone in here. You say you fell? Yeah, yeah. Well, to clarify, I shot him in the head and then he took a little tumble. Oh, How bad is it? Are you an idiot, Teddy? So this is the latest um, sort of, what would you call it, like a really pulpy action comedy drama thing from director Joe Carnahan, who uh, you may remember from uh, Narc, Smoke and Aces, um he also directed the a-team movie Um, yeah a lot of not great stuff but he also made the gray (laughs) which i think is actually really good yeah so is uh the ep of uh the blacklist which i a show i've never seen Mm, but seems to be very popular um tell us what you thought of cop shop cody yeah so this was this movie as i watched it the first thing i thought of was this was very clearly a covid production where it's taking place in like one location for the most part um in this police station and i looked it up and it was it was filmed in october 2020 mm-hmm. um so uh uh you know it's 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 a self-contained kind of um you know sort of like you said pulpy action movie where i'll be honest i really i never really understood what was happening and i think that, <laughs> that like like so what you have essentially is like you know it starts with um frank grillo trying purposely to go to jail um, to clearly get away from something. And then, uh, you know, in the cell across from him at some point comes Gerard Butler, who's been contracted to kill Frank Grillo. And then it becomes like this whole thing where there's people crossing and double crossing. I Personally, I never really understood what Frank Grillo does or why people are after him. Um, I don't know if maybe I missed the nuances of that. but He was um, a fixer, I thought. Sure. Like a, like a what's the guy from uh, Shit? Uh, Winston the Wolf, like Harvey Keitel uh, from yeah, Pulp yeah. Fiction, yeah. But like it clearly like sort of hapless, yeah. And and so what it becomes is like this cat and mouse game between the two of them, and then mixed in with like some corruption going on with the police department and one cop who's kind of trying to you know figure out who to trust and blah blah blah. Um, and uh, and what you get I think is is uh, a movie that is. F- 
look, it's hard to talk about this movie without mentioning the elephant in the room, which is about midway through this movie, which is perfectly fine. The actor Toby Huss shows up (laughs) (laughs) in what can only be described as a larger than life performance that I personally loved every second of. Um, I like Toby Huss a lot, actually. Um, I really like him from uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Um, a show. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. No, but, but I mean, I, he was a huge part of King of the Hill. Yes. Um, which I was a huge fan of. Yeah. And I, I just think he's a really great actor and he's clearly doing this like, kind of like, you know, that typical uh, like Southern Foghorn Leghorn kind of like unhinged guy thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and doing so really, and just, he's like clearly chewing the shit out of some scenery and, uh, and, and, and comes in kind of, you know, you, you said to me, it's like he's in a different movie. And uh, yes, it is. He's he's in a different movie. And uh, and I think momentarily for a good 15, 20 minutes kind of picks up what I thought was kind of a dull experience. Um, you know, there's there's been some talk where Frank Grillo was talking about how Joe Carnahan's cut wasn't the cut that made it out there. And you may be able to see evidence. The more I thought about it, the more I wonder if it's more in like the Frank Grillo character has a an ex-wife and a son who that story is not really fleshed out much. Um, but you know, anything anyway, you know, once the Toby Huss thing is over, I think it just is, is kind of just this run of the mill talky, um, uh, you know, kind of cat and mouse thing. And then the ending of the movie, um, it has like, like a, 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 something that really bugs me in movies where it's got like three false endings on that, like, <laughs> yeah. like a twist and then another twist on top of that. And then another twist on top of that where I'm just like, oh boy, uh, I'm not a huge fan of this. And, uh, and then it ends on a very odd sequence as well, um, that I wasn't a huge fan of. So yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to say here other than, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I wish that it maybe had, um, a little bit more intrigue to the characters or that we could kind of get a sense. Cause I really think that we only know Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler's character very surface level. I mean, Gerard Butler's character is mysterious almost to a fault where, um, I don't think you know anything about him by the end of it. And, um, and yeah, it just feels like thin characters, thin story. Um, I wasn't a huge fan. You know, there, there's a few sequences in the movie that I think play out really fun. And I think that's, kind of going from the the arrival of Gerard Butler's character into the police station there's just kind of this little minutia of the day-to-day stuff um, that's going on in the police station and then from the and then until Toby Huss's character shows up and and just blows it all to shit um yeah it's hyper violent stuff from Toby Huss which I think is is really welcome because it's kind of this plotting thing that doesn't really pick up i don't think frank grillo's got a lot to do and i i'm I'm curious like you mentioned if there was some meat cut from his part because there's a there's a scene i didn't play it that was in the trailer and in the film too where he's um it's a very sort of comical scene where he's like almost car bombed Mm -hmm. like his car explodes and it's played for laughs and i'm curious if that was a bigger part of the film because the character's not played for laughs at all otherwise um and that little little segment really feels out of place and i'm not really quite sure what the point of it is if it wasn't part of some larger thing Mm -hmm. um alexis louder um has the probably the meatiest role uh as uh the 
sort of younger cop, I guess. Um, I, I don't, I haven't seen her in a lot except for the tomorrow war. Uh, she, she's, I mean, basically the only character in the movie that isn't a piece of shit. Right. 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 Um, and I do, that's another thing too. I'm, I'm really confused by the ending. you mentioned it has like three false endings. The ending really leaves me wondering who the, like we were supposed to be rooting for. Yes. Extremely ambiguous. Um, so it, it's a little, I, I think it's just, it's just pulpy to be pulpy at times. And I think it, it is to a fault. I, I didn't mind, uh, most of it. Um, but it just, at, toward the end, it just sort of all fell apart for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Toby Huss character is really fun while he's there. Uh, and just, just this hyper violent psychopathic character, um, but then there, there's some other stuff that happens. There's a few twists and surprises that don't really make sense, even in the logic of this bizarre movie. Um, you know, I think it it probably had a, a it probably could have been a lot nastier in some parts. You know, a little bit more gruesome and and just sort of funny. I think, mm-hmm. and I think it really loses something by being kind of stone serious until Toby Huss shows up. Yeah. But, Anyway, what's your grade for Cop Shop, Cody? Uh, I give it a C. Um, again, I, I didn't really enjoy it much. I think it get, takes a while to get going. I think it's talky. I think that there's um, like moral ambiguity to the point where I'm not sure that it's supposed to be as ambiguous as it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, based on that ending, um, it seems like it was played for one direction, and it doesn't really deliver in that because, you know, two of the three characters involved in that final scene are ostensibly bad guys. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a C plus. I think it's Toby Huss elevates it to a point where I think that part's really fun, but I think the rest of it's just sort of um, kind of a letdown when it all is said and done. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, Cody, what's happening? Uh, we're going to take a week off next week. Okay, cool. Because I am moving and oh, finally. Yeah, I'm moving on Friday and then I'll be at Fantastic Fest for a few days. So Oh yeah, it's already Fantastic Fest. I've uh, I've from you and uh, some uh, other people on Twitter, I've seen that it's been a kind of a shit show. Yeah, I mean, n- not so much for me for press, but for the uh the others and and a little bit for press too. I mean, it, they have eliminated the ability to just kind of randomly stumble into things because you have to have tickets prior. Um and stumbling into things was one of the best parts of fantastic fest but i mean look they they have a very difficult task on their hands of trying to create a f- safe film festival and uh i think they're doing the best they can given the constraints so it, it was a weird vibe uh the few years i did it to go see like a a really grisly genre movie at like seven thirty in the morning on a sunday yeah well it, it, a, a lot of that is changed as a result of mm-hmm. uh of uh of like the scheduling this year but like i've said in previous years fantastic fest i think has taken a turn into being a lot more interesting than it once was um just in terms of diversity of films and 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 you know really embracing foreign films that aren't necessarily genre you know i've you know seen some great things there and so uh, but yes i I have you know walking into some kind of psychological horror thing at eight (laughs) o'clock in the morning was like I mean, I, I watched the movie The Endless at like eight o'clock in the morning, which is just a mind fuck of a movie, and it's like um, I don't have, I'm not awake enough for this. Yeah, I watched um, uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe, 
<laughs> like eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, and yeah. Emil Hirsch was there. Yeah. Um, and this is this tells you how much the culture has changed in the like last this I think that was like 2018 maybe 2017 mm-hmm. um, they had a in the lobby they had a like a di- like a life-size setup of the autopsy of Jane Doe with a naked woman mannequin in the you know very detailed in the lobby which I don't think that would fly anymore um, no I also with so. Emil Hirsch in attendance probably wouldn't fly anymore but yeah uh, anyway uh, cool. Uh, well, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at cinesnob, Facebook, cinesnob.net, youtube.com slash cinesnob. Uh, Cody, anything else from you? No, we'll be back in a couple weeks, uh, with, uh, with the, well, uh, Mini Saints of Newark. You'll be covering that alone. I, I'm not going to be able to catch up on Sopranos in a couple So you're not weeks. even going to watch it? I know. I don't want to, I don't think I should. I think you can watch it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that tied in. Like I guess I. I do. I do. You know, just from a standpoint of like um, doing it proper, feel weird about reviewing something out of context. But I mean, I guess I can watch it just to see how it works as a standalone. But um, but uh, Venom also comes out. Venom, let there be carnage, also comes out that week. So. Oh yeah, I wonder if we're gonna have a screening of that. I don't know. Maybe. That, I did. I, I sent you that crazy poster I saw on Twitter with just Michelle Williams, yes. like just a headshot of Michelle Williams and a Venom poster. Like, what is happening? Anyway, no. that, I hate. I think we both did, but I hated that first Venom. Oh, it's I hated awful. it. It's truly bad. Uh, we'll see if this one's any better. Uh, this is directed by Andy Serkis, I believe. Right? Is it? I thought like, I, th- I didn't know that Ruben Fleischer left the movie. Yeah, I don't think it's. Um, I think uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Andy Circus. Andy Circus, yeah. Interesting. I never hey, saw Tom his... Hardy has a has a, a a story credit on it, so. Oh. I never saw Andy Circus's uh Jungle Book. Movie, I didn't so. I didn't either. Anyway, all right, anything else? No, but the screenplay is is written by uh the the uh someone who uh wrote co-wrote Saving Mr. Banks and wrote 50 Shades of Grey. <laughs> so oh. They also wrote the first Venom, so. Oh, well, fuck it then. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. On that note, I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.